Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 11th of July, 2022, the 12th of Tammuz, 5782, coming to you this morning from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people, just outside the walls of the old city, as Israel prepares for the visit of U.S. President Joe Biden here on Wednesday. We'll be in the region Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, with a stop in Saudi Arabia, I believe, on Thursday. And Israel's preparing for that visit with with thousands of police officers and soldiers and whatnot getting the ground ready. If you are a resident of Jerusalem, uh, good luck to you. Um, I'm certainly going to try to stay out of the city Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with road closures, streets blocked off, traffic's probably going to be insane. They're also going to be blocking the traffic at certain points from Ben-Gurion Airport towards Jerusalem. So if you can stay out of Jerusalem towards the end of this week, highly, highly, highly advisable. The Jerusalem Post yesterday discussed the diplomatic flurry ahead of Biden's visit. Reported by the J-Post, Prime Minister Yair Lapid spoke with Jordan's King, Abdullah II, and Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas over the weekend in advance of Joe Biden's visit, the president's visit to Israel and Saudi Arabia. Separately, President Isaac Herzog spoke with Abbas, and Defense Minister Benny Gantz met with the PA head in Ramallah in what is the third such meeting between the two men in less than a year. According to this report by the J-Post, Biden is expected to land in Israel on Wednesday, placing the initial focus of his visit on the place where the least amount of progress is expected, the so-called Israeli-Palestinian conflict. He's expected to make the first ever visit by a U.S. president to an East Jerusalem neighborhood. That's what it says here in the paper. When he visits the Makassar Hospital, the largest Arab medical center in the city. And again, the significance of the visit is the fact that he is doing so without Israelis. And if you read between the lines, uh, it can be interpreted as the president saying that the eastern part of the city, and of course, the northern part and the southern part, because that's also not acknowledged as being part of the state of Israel, is in fact a an area which will be, God forbid, a future capital for the Palestinian Authority. Um, you can even go as far as saying as President Joe Biden, by visiting this hospital, is dividing the city of Jerusalem, sending a message that they view, the U.S. administration views certain parts of the city as not belonging to the state of Israel. So that is the significance of that visit. Um, It's also, according to this report, expected that Israel could announce concessions to the PA Arabs during the visit, which would be horrible. Concessions for what? For their pay-to-slave program? For the fact that 20 Israelis, 20-plus Israelis were murdered in the last several months by terrorists? The Khan News Network over the weekend reported that Israel would allow more building in Area C for Arabs. Um, Building in Area C, of course, is part of the Fayyad plan strategy of the Palestinian Authority to take over Area C without going through any negotiations or whatnot, just unilaterally taking that area over, which is supported by 
millions and millions of euro, uh, thanks to the European Union and their countries, no thanks rather, but uh, that's their plan, take over Area C, which is under full Israeli military and municipal control. That is their goal. They're, they're carrying it out on a daily basis with new illegal structures all the time, crying about not being able to build in Area C when areas A and B have plenty of land to build in. It is a ruse. It is a sham. And if Israel, in fact, goes down this path, uh, it's an absolute mistake to cave into this charade of allowing them to build in Area C as a gesture. You know, man, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but gestures to the Palestinian Authority. Where have we seen this before? It has not been that long, folks, when Israel made these gestures and we got daily suicide bombings as a thank you. Ironically, Iran uh, came out with a statement a couple of days ago, and I don't think I would ever say that I agree with Iran on any issue, but listen to this statement. The quote uh, reported by the Jerusalem Post, this is an Iranian ministry spokesperson He said the entry of foreigners in the region, referring to President Biden, will not create security and stability, but is itself the main cause of tension and regional rift. That's the ministry spokesperson Nasser uh, Kanani, according to Iranian state media. It's the foreign ministry, to be clear. The foreign ministry spokesperson. Again, I'm going to read this again. The entry of foreigners in the region will not create security and stability, but but is in itself, the main cause of tension and regional rift. I actually agree with the Iranian foreign ministry on this. Every single time. Okay, take out the Abraham Accords, because that is a deal which was put together with the help of the Americans, of course, the Trump administration. But that was a deal not involving Israel and another entity that were actively uh, engaged in, let's be clear here, terrorism, as in Hamas and the Palestinian Authority and Israel, carrying out counter-terror measures against those who seek Israel's destruction. While we didn't have a formal agreement with the UAE or Bahrain or any of these other places, Israel and the UAE weren't involved in a situation where the UAE was actively lobbing rockets into Israeli population centers. So in that case, the U.S. got involved. But here, the Iranian, uh, ironically, the Iranian foreign ministry is essentially saying when a foreign party gets involved in the region, It just adds to more chaos. And believe it or not, I agree with the Iranian foreign minister every single time, whether it was President Clinton or President Obama or any of these other leaders who are trying to shove a two-state solution down our throats. Everyone lost out, especially Israel, paying the price in blood, literally paying the price in blood with thousands dead as a result of the Oslo Accords. And I've always said this, if there would, will ever, ever be any sort of, I don't know if you want to call it a peace agreement or a hudna or who knows what between Israel and her close neighbors who carry out these terror attacks, it'll happen between the sides and not with these foreign entities, the European Union and even our great friend, the United States, when these entities from abroad, from 5,000 miles away, get involved, only bad things happen. We've seen that time and time again. So pretty wild. 
pretty wild that I agree uh, with the Iranian foreign ministry here. Obviously, they have different intentions. They don't want to see any sort of normalization at all between Israel and um, her neighbors. But just that statement alone, if you take out that statement and uh, put it on the side by itself, it is true that whenever, I remember Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice, whenever these people get involved in the situation, Madeleine Albright, of course, whenever these people get involved and all the, the presidents over them, in the situation here, things get worse and worse. And Oslo is the prime example of that. So let's not go down that path again. Hopefully this Biden visit will come and go and there will not be any real changes which could harm the residents and citizens of the state of Israel. That's what I'm hopeful for. But sorry to be pessimistic here. JNS reported yesterday the Biden administration has, quote, rebuilt ties with the Palestinian Authority and restored some $500 million in aid, $500 million in aid to it, uh, according to uh, President Biden, without permitting terrorists to rearm. That was uh, U.S. President Joe Biden, who wrote an op-ed published in the Washington Post. He said, we also rebuilt ties with the Palestinians, working with Congress. My administration restored approximately $500 million in support for the Palestinians, while also passing the largest support package for Israel, over $4 billion in history. And this week, an Israeli prime minister spoke with the president of the Palestinian Authority for the first time in five years. So Biden is all excited that Yair Lapid spoke to Mahmoud Abbas and then Benny Gantz, the the, the Foreign Minister met with Mahmoud Abbas, which now he's done three times. But this is, folks, this is, this is the same twisted thinking, again, that we had under Clinton and Obama and others who fund the PA with no oversight as to where the money goes. How does Biden know the money isn't going to terrorists? Okay, we know down in, down in Gaza, of course, that all this humanitarian aid and funding or whatnot goes into the hands of Hamas and goes to rebuild tunnels and manufacture rockets. But remember, under Oslo, the PA got money and weapons and training, and it was supposed to be fighting terror. And where did that money go? The money went towards terror. The money also went into the pockets of the Palestinian Authority leaders and their children so that they could have their mansions and estates and vacations around the world. It went into the coffers of their leadership, not to the people, not to the people, and also at the same time to bolster their terrorism program. So instead of demanding, instead of the president of the United States demanding an end to pay to slay, an end to the, inc to the incitement, which is being carried out on a daily basis by the Palestinian Authority, all you have to do is go, is go to Palestinian Media Watch, ignore any of the analysis, just read the translations of what's being said in the Palestinian Authority on television, on the radio, and certainly in the education system on a daily basis. Just go look at the translations. The incitement continues. And this administration, the Biden administration, is once again blindly funding the Palestinian Authority. Huge mistake. It looks like we're going down that path. And again, I hope, I hope and pray that this visit of the President of the United States is in, is insignificant and it comes and goes and uh and that's the last we hear of it but that's just wishful thinking uh prime minister lapid 
couple items here about him. Number one, JNS reported that Prime Minister Lapid on Sunday said that Israel would not stand idly by while Iran tries to attack it and called for the international community to restore the full force of economic sanctions on the Islamic Republic, according to a statement released by the Prime Minister's office. The comments came a day after the International Atomic Energy Agency reported that Iran had begun using advanced centrifuges at its underground Fordo facility to enrich uranium. Iran is headed towards nuclear weapons. What will the world community do? Will Israel go at it alone? Lapid emphasized that Israel would not stand idly by while Iran tries to attack us. He said our security services know how to reach anyone, anywhere, and they will do just that. He said they'll be discussing this issue with President Joe Biden. At the same time, Lapid, according to the J-Post, said yesterday, I believe at his cabinet meeting, that the time has come for countries of the region to normalize ties with Israel. Uh, Lapid referring to Saudi Arabia. He announced that that Joe Biden, President Biden, would be traveling to Saudi Arabia. Lapid said, from Jerusalem, the president's plane will fly to Saudi Arabia. He will carry with him a message of peace and hope from us. Israel extends its hand to all countries of the region and calls on them to build ties with us, establish relations with us, and change history for our children. So, again, on that front, on the front between Israel and Saudi Arabia, building this alliance against Iran, I understand that, I get that. But on the other front, when it comes to Israel and the Palestinian Authority and Hamas and all these others who, and we'll get to Hamas here in just a second, all these others who openly seek our destruction and carry out terror attacks and fire rockets um, and build terror tunnels and carry out stabbings and whatnot and shootings and all this other stuff on a daily basis, uh, these people are not um, in any way, shape, or form ready for peace, and the Biden administration should stay away from trying to force Israel to make more concessions, which will just backfire, as they have each and every time. The Jerusalem Post reported today that any agreement on Gaza must include the return of two Israeli citizens, citizen captives and the bodies of two, uh, two fallen IDF soldiers. This, according to Defense Minister Benny Gans, in a statement he made, at a state ceremony at Jerusalem's Mount Herzl Military Cemetery to mark the 8th anniversary of Operation Protective Edge in the summer of 2014, he said, We are continuing to work on behalf of those who remain there in Gaza. Israel lost 68 soldiers during that war. And in the cases of two IDF soldiers, Hadar Golden and Oron Shaul, uh, Hamas is believed to be holding onto their bodies in addition to Israeli citizens. Uh, Avera Menjistu and uh, Hisham Al Sayyad, who both uh, are Israeli ci- uh, civilians suffering from mental illness, who wandered into Gaza, both believed to be held now by Hamas. So Benny Gans, our defense minister, sorry, I think I may have called him the foreign minister before earlier in the in the show. Defense Minister Gans says that any agreement on Gaza must include the return of our people. So the question I have is what what agreement is he talking about? Why are we talking about an agreement with Hamas? I don't understand this at all. We shouldn't be talking about 
uh, an agreement, we should be making demands, making demands of Hamas from a point of strength. When you speak about an agreement, what you're doing is putting Hamas on equal footing. You are giving the terror organization Hamas legitimacy, talking about an agreement with them. When you say, as he did, we'll continue sending in humanitarian aid into Gaza, they know, Hamas knows, they can keep firing rockets, holding the bodies of our people, holding our two Israeli citizens as captives, and they can get away with it because the humanitarian aid won't stop. And Israel is coming from a position of weakness, talking about negotiating an agreement with them. Enough with agreements. Talk about demands. We demand you will return our soldiers, the bodies of our soldiers. You will return our civilians. Those are our demands. And if you don't, there will be consequences. That is the position Israel should take and must take from a position of strength, not weakness, not agreements. Okay? Opening the door for agreements with Hamas? No. Strength and demands. That's where we need to be. And it looks like we're not there yet. We'll see what happens in the upcoming elections in terms of who has these key positions in the government, key ministries. And we'll see if anyone is willing to come out from a position of strength against Hamas and the other terror gangs. Speaking of elections, the Jerusalem Post reported that uh, Benny Gans, we just talked about him, his Blue and White Party and Gidon Sar's New Hope Party uh, are now merging ahead of the November 1st election. A breakthrough was reportedly achieved last week, and the announcement came, I think, last night. Uh, New Hope will, will receive about one-third of the joint party seats versus two-thirds for Blue and White, uh, Gans will be number one, Sar will be number two on the list, and then on and on down the list. And why is this relevant? According to this analysis, Benny Gans, think, his, Benny Gans is thinking, rather, as that if this party can win between 12 and 15 seats, they can be the deal makers after the next election, potentially be, and he potentially could become prime minister. This would be relevant if Likud leader Benjamin Netanyahu fails to get 61 seats, and Yair Lapid, the Eshatid party, does not have a coalition as well. In that case, Gans can potentially play both sides against one another. So this is all politics, getting ready for the election. Everyone is trying to do what they can. Parties are merging. Parties are breaking apart. Uh, election uh, lists are being put together with all these parties trying to do what they can. We saw Naftali Bennett and how with only seven seats, at the beginning, at least, he was able to become prime minister as that kingmaker or dealmaker. And in that case, of the last election going against Netanyahu um, and being able to form a government, which was, of course, uh, not so successful and only lasted a year. So that's where things are now. That's the latest development leading up to the November 1st Knesset election here in Israel our fifth election in the last three and a half years. Israel National News reported that the chairman of the Umbrella Group representing Israeli towns across Judea and Samaria announced his resignation on Sunday afternoon. David El-Khayani, who was the head of the Yesha Council, also head of the Jordan Valley Regional Council, he was 
elected in 2019 to serve as the head of the Esha Council. He has decided to step down from his position, um, according to this report, in part over political disagreements with other senior Yesha Council officials. A longtime critic of former Prime Minister Netanyahu, Al Khayani, endorsed the Bennett Lapid government and has been associated with the pro coalition New Hope Party. Some people think he may run for Knesset on that list, but it remains to be seen. Um, and that's all for David Al Khayani's head of the Yesha Council. Who will be the next head of Yesha and where will Yesha go from here? Again, Yesha being um, the Yesha Council being the representatives of Judea and Samaria and all the communities there, where, in which, in which direction will they turn? We, we could probably do a whole show, bring on somebody to discuss the significance or the clout of the Yesha Council, and how important they are, and we could probably have a whole uh, discussion on whether or not they have been effective and truly representing the positions of Judea and Samaria um, over the last uh, several years under Al Khayani's leadership. But uh, we're going to save that for another day and move on. Israel National News says that just over four months since coronavirus restrictions limiting entry into Israel were lifted on March the 1st, the one millionth tourist in 2022 arrived in Israel. That's just amazing. A million tourists in Israel. And I mean, that's why the situation has been insane at the airport. Um, the insanity at the airport's a negative. The positive is one million tourists in Israel. It's been an extremely busy tourist, tourism season after two plus years of no tourists. The one millionth tourists, tourists was recognized as Belinda uh, Soyo Lee Marcello, 53 years old, a resident of the United Arab Emirates, apparently here. Uh, they had, I guess, this whole ceremony welcoming her to Israel as being the one millionth. Um, based on the trends, Israel is expecting to hit two million tourists by the end of 2022. So that is some positive news. That's great news. The tourism is back. And just again, I'm here outside the walls of the old city, just walking through the Mamila Mall, for example, um, on a daily basis, you see it is packed with tourists. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. It's great that tourists are back in Israel. Uh, switching to, uh, I guess you could call this the weekly anti-Semitism report, Times of Israel said that the FBI issued an alert on Saturday against a potential threat to a Jewish facility in San Antonio, Texas, causing the Jewish Federation in that city to cancel all public events. Uh, the, uh, the warning was lifted several hours later. I heard somewhere, I think on the radio, an arrest was made. That is not reported here by Times of Israel, but I heard somewhere perhaps somebody was arrested. The Federation said Jewish services and events in the city would be suspended Saturday afternoon and then updating later on in the day, saying there was no longer a known imminent threat. The Federation urged people to stay vigilant and aware of their surroundings. So we're seeing more and more of these terror um, warnings or threat warnings against Jewish communities all over uh, North America. And this is not uh, certainly not the America I grew up in back in the 80s and 90s, where I don't remember any a terror threat warning specifically against Jewish communi communities or federations or JCCs or synagogues or whatnot. 
about over the last several years, of course, with Pittsburgh and San Diego and other places, we've seen attacks targeting the Jewish community in the U.S. Finishing up, and Canada too, by the way, finishing up on some um, Israel tech news here. We'll call this our anti-BDS report. Israel 21C says, imagine if you could heat or cool your home just by plucking the desired comfort level out of the air. Literally, an Israeli startup called ThermoTerra is turning that vision into a novel renewable energy system that harvests energy from fluctuations in humidity. Water vapor in the air that's absorbed onto or into an absorbative, absorbative, is that the word? Something that absorbs, absorptive, perhaps, material, transfers a significant, significant amount of energy, explains Thermoterra founder and CEO Dror uh, Zohri. Here's how it is. Here's how it works. On a hot day, Thermoterra's technology brings ambient warm and dry air into a home or office. It is stored inside the insulation of the building's walls. When the air evaporates, it absorbs energy and cools the building. Again, this is high-tech stuff. This is way out of my league. Okay, but here you have this device that absorbs the humidity in the room. And then when the air evaporates, it cools down the building. On the other hand, when temperatures are cooler, cold and humid air is brought in. And, and as it's absorbed, it warms the air, heating the home or office. So here you're taking the existing humidity in a room and basically turning it into either an air conditioning system or a system which will heat the building. Another Israeli invention which is benefiting the world community, this ThermoTerra company. And there's hundreds if not thousands of more companies which are making a difference in biotech and agritech and so many medical technology, so many other different fields. And of course, as I always say, if you're a BDS anti-Israel hater, don't use this system in your home or office because then you would be a hypocrite. So stay away from ThermoTerra. If you're a lover of Israel and you want to take advantage of this amazing technology, go for it. But if you're an anti-Israel BDS hater, do not be a hypocrite. Even if it means saving hundreds and thousands of dollars for your home or business, don't use it because then you would be a hypocrite. And on that, we're going to end today's show, the 11th of July, 2022, the 12th of Tammuz, 5782, coming to you on this beautiful Monday morning just outside the old city walls of Jerusalem. I'm going to head outside in a few minutes and go check out all the tourists who are here. It's a wonderful sight to see all the tourists walking around the streets of Jerusalem. Finally, again, once again, after two plus years of basically zero tourism. My name is Josh Haston. Get in touch with me during the week. Josh at the land of Israel.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Big shout out to Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Engineer extraordinaire, Benjamin Bresky. And most importantly, everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Have a great week. Shalom, shalom from Jerusalem, Israel, as we get ready for a very busy week in this city with the arrival of the president of the United States, Joe Biden. Um, let's hope it's, uh, let's hope it's quiet and let's hope really nothing major, um, comes out of this trip. And I say that because no major announcements, because I say that as I said at the beginning of the show, um, 
when the U.S. gets involved, again, I'm not talking about Saudi Arabia, I'm talking about Israel, Palestinian Authority, Hamas, etc. When, when anyone outside of Israel gets involved, uh, it usually ends up uh, with a negative consequence. So be safe, everyone. Have a great week. Shalom, shalom. From the eternal capital of the Jewish people in the state of Israel, Jerusalem. Have a great week, everyone. Enhance your faith. Deepen your understanding. Align your destiny with the Land of Israel. Subscribe to the Land of Israel Fellowship, an exclusive virtual seminar led by Jeremy Gimpel and Ari Abramowitz with live weekly interactive sessions and ongoing personal mentorship. Subscribe and join this global awakening at thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship. Bringing the Torah from Judea to the world.